I want to talk to you this morning about evolution, but not Darwin's theory of evolution. I want to talk, I'm not that smart, right? So maybe you're that smart, I'm not that smart. I'm like one step below brilliant. Why are you laughing? Hurts my feelings, I'm kidding. So I want to talk to you about how people change. Has anybody here ever changed? You changed how you think about something, you change a habit, right? So I want to talk to you how people change and also how people don't change. Some, you know anybody how you wish they would change? Ah, right. Here's what I can tell you. How many of you grew up, uh, Kansas City is home. Any Kansas Cityites in the house, right? Anybody grew up in Arkansas? Anybody Arkansas? Oh, they're, they're my favorite people. You guys, that whole row, you guys little Arkansas row. That's awesome. I grew up in Northeast Arkansas. And uh, anybody, anybody grew up in South Florida? Any Floridians? Did you? I spent 10 years in Fort Lauderdale, Cooper City area. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, but Kansas City's home. And here's what I know. No matter where you grew up, it doesn't matter uh, if you grew up in a poor home or a wealthy home. If you grew up with a mom and a dad or you grew up in a single, with a single parent home, here's what I can tell you about you. When you came out of your mama, right? Next week's Mother's Day, by the way. Guys, don't forget that. When you came out of your mama, you had a singular perspective that you were super duper focused on, and it was yours. And from your littlest bitty, your first day, on planet Earth, you would cry and cry and cry and cry until you got what you wanted. Do you remember those days? How many of you right now are in the household with somebody who cries and cries and cries every day until they get well? And I'm not only talking about the wife, I'm just talking about the baby that the mama's caring for, right? Right? Yeah, so we've got several parents of little bitty babies right now, and they cry. Now, at some point, like your little baby, you got older and you developed your vocal cords and you were able to use words. And us mamas and daddies, we try really hard uh, for their baby's first word to be mama or dada. You guys kind of know that, right? But that's not typically the first word because at some point, somebody tries to get you to do something you don't want to do and you say, no, no. And it's just so, it just rolls off your tongue, right? And you might even have shaken your little head emphatically to help express that word no. And then you got older and something happened that rocked your world. Rocked your world. It might have been by your older brother or older sister. It might have been at preschool or daycare. Or maybe, um, maybe it happened on your first little play date, right? And you were there and this little kid walked up and took your toy. And with a shocked look on your face, you said, no, it's mine. Anybody ever said mine before? You ever seen a little kid get mad when somebody takes their toy? Anybody have children in your house right now where your children are fighting over their belongings and they say, hey, that's mine? Oh, my gosh, I'm there, right? Nine and seven, right? It's mine. It's mine. Now, what happens next depends on your environment, right? Maybe a parent or an adult uh, got you another toy to get you to quit crying. Maybe they took that toy back from the little kid. Maybe they let you cry it out. There's a lot of things that could have happened. Um, but here's what I do know about little bitty you when you were shocked when your toy got taken is that little kids grow up to be big adults. And I know a lot of adults, unfortunately, that have the same attitude of a little kid when you talk about their time, when you talk about their money, and you talk about their energy and talent. What do they say? It's mine. I want you to Stick your hand out in front of you at closed fist, right? Come on, come on, come on, like you're going to punch somebody, right? Okay. What we're going to do over the next week, is next four weeks actually, is I'm going to do my best to get those fingers to open up so that you can see that for those of us who are following Jesus, he desires you to live open-handed. 
And he wants you to share. He wants you to give your life away. This is not a series where I'm going to teach you how to give. This is a series where I'm going to do my best to teach you how to live. I'm going to teach you how to live because a stingy life, I want you to play with me. We're going to, we, maybe you've done something like this before, but I want to do an opposite take on it. I want you to close your eyes real quick, and I want you to think of uh, somebody that you know that you would identify as very greedy, a greedy person, a person whose life posture is mine. Do you see them? Now open your eyes. Is that what you want to be like when you grow up? No, man, that's not like, I don't go, Lord, help me tomorrow wake up like old Scrooge from that Christmas Carol movie I watched when I was a kid, old Scrooge McDuck. I want to be Scrooge McDuck when I grow up. Lord, help me to be stingy and be hateful and be, uh, uh, no, 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 that's nobody's goal, right? Here's what I want to do this morning. See if you will, take out your insert. And we're going to talk about how generosity evolves. Now, along your spiritual journey, everyone in this room is on a spiritual journey. Along your spiritual journey, some of you have been walking it for years, right? Some of you are brand new to it. If you're like, man, I don't know if I'm on a spiritual journey. You're sitting at a church on Sunday morning. You're on a spiritual journey, okay? Along your spiritual journey, God gives you opportunities to evolve in your personal evolution, all right? And so today, like this is not about necessarily the church family, the church body. This is about you. This morning, I want to talk about you personally. I'm not even talking, you can transfer these principles to your family life, maybe even to this church as I will kind of give examples. But like this plays really well with like how are you in this idea of evolving in your personal generosity. Along your journey, God gives you opportunities to evolve. For me, mine happened almost immediately when I started following Jesus. I don't know why it happened. I don't, I, it wasn't planned. It wasn't set up. But when I was 19, I got involved in a small group Bible study in northeast Arkansas. At a, in Imperial, Arkansas was the city in a little church called Southside Community Church. And when I started following Jesus, one of the first things I did was I got in a Bible study. And I was in a Bible study with guys who were a little bit older than me. They were in the next season of life. And they, this Bible study, these guys spent a lot of time talking about how they were, uh, how they were trying to figure out their money and how they were serving their church. So for whatever reason, those were the two things that we talked and read our Bible a lot about. And so I read the same scriptures they were studying. I was a part of the same conversations that they were having. But these men had mortgages. I was still living at home with my parents. They had families. I was single. And so like, as far as stage of life, they were in a different place than I was. But what they were talking about also impacted me because I had a job. I made income. I had a free will. I was 19 years old. I, I was making decisions every day about where to spend my time. And man, I just began to listen and to read, and God began to show me ways that little old Matt Miller at 19 years old could engage at Southside Community Church. That was my context. Like God began to show me, hey, there's these areas of your life where you can choose to be generous. And so really what this series is about is kind of a little bit of my story, which I think it can be honestly so true for many of us, the three areas that God began to reveal to me. And so they're hard to read, and I'm going to fix this before next week. But this blue line at the bottom represents three layers of life where God began to say, hey, Matt, there's an opportunity here. One was how I was going to share my life. 
right? How I was going to share my life, my gifts and my talents, my story. Like, how was I going to do that? I, I saw opportunity to do so. The second one was how I was going to this yellow column, how I was going to invest my income. I was, a, being a, I was an assistant manager at the time at Taco Bell, and I was also working at a bank. And so I had two jobs, and I was, um, I, I mean, I had some, I wasn't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination because I also had a lot of wrecks when I was 16 and 17. And so, like, my monthly insurance was $301 that my dad was kind enough to make me pay. And so, you know, I, I had some, I didn't have a mortgage, but I had insurance and I had cell phone and I was always trying to get a girl to let me take her on a date. All right. And so there were opportunities for me to spend my money, but I began to see in scripture how there was this opportunity to give the resources that God trusted me back to God. It wasn't because somebody told me to, I was reading and I was forming my own conclusions about how to invest my money into the things that God was doing. And also the third area was how I could serve my church. There's this attitude of serving throughout, throughout all of the Bible. And so as a 19-year-old, I started doing something that you might think is kind of radical. I'll be 41 this year. But since I was 19 years old, and I'm not making this up, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual, this is just my story. Since I was 19, anybody in the room 19? Any 19-year-olds? Awesome, Chuck. You're now talking about lying. Chuck and Jim next week. Two of those guys in the room raising their hand. Okay. Um, since I was 19... I have been in a group of some sort. Since I was 19, I've been in some sort of Bible study. I've been in some sort of uh, discipleship group. I've been in some type of gathering with other men and sometimes other men and women where we were talking about what it looked like to follow Jesus since I was 19. Since I was 19 years old, I've been investing 10% of my income back into whichever church that I was attending. When I was in Northeast Arkansas, that was a Southside Community Church. When I moved to South Florida, it was Flamingo Road Church. Now it's called Potential Church. Now that it's New City, 10% of my income. When my grandma sends me, uh, or when she used to send me, my grandmother passed away this past year, but when my grandmother used to send me uh, a Christmas gift or birthday money, whatever it was, tax return. Like, I'm, I'm crazy, right? I'm just like, if God, if you give me any type of resources, if somebody invites me to go to D.C. with them and they pay me money and I take a 10, I'm like, I'm going to invest 10% of that back into God's kingdom. This is what I do. I've done it since I was 19. It's not up for debate. It's not up for suggestion. I never go, well, now I look at that number at the end of the year, right? And I go, woo! Boy, that would buy me a boat. That'd buy me a lake house. That could be mortgage, Right? But I never, I'm in awe of how generous I get to be. Then ever since I was 19, I know this is going to be the craziest one, crazier than money. Since I was 19 years old, there has not been a Sunday where I have just gone to church. Since I was 19 years old, I have served the church that I was a part of. I know it sounds crazy. But since I was 19, I have been a part of a group. I have been a tither, and I have been serving my church. There has never been a Sunday in my life in 21 years where I have ever gone to church. For those of you in the room, with right now kind of your church-going experience as you come and you hear this kind of chubby, balding, but a really cool bearded guy talk, right? I don't get you. Because I've always wanted to be as engaged as I could be in this church family. Like, I've never just wanted... I've, I mean, I've sat under some great preaching, and I love that. Like, I love hearing preaching, and I love participating in worship. But I knew that I wanted to serve. I wanted to be a part. I wanted to do something. Now, um, does that, Matt, well, Matt, maybe because you're super spiritual. That's not why. Can I tell you, can I be honest with you? When I was 19, why I did those things is I really needed friends. When I was 19, man, and God was asking me into a relationship with himself, I, I, was at, I remember the first time God ever, like I felt like I would say God audibly spoke to me. 
and I won't give the context today. It's another message. But God basically said to me, you can follow that or you can follow me. You can't do both. And I was at a fork in the road as a 19-year-old young guy, and I decided to follow Jesus. And I went a separate way. Along that journey, you know what? I had to make a decision. Am I going to go out with my friends that are going to party in ways that could actually lead us to getting too arrested and for sure lead me to my dad being really mad at me when I got home? I had to make decisions as a young adult on what I was going to do. I had to make decisions that involved my uh, choice of what I was going to do in school, my choice of employment. Like, there was, like I had to make decisions, and because of those decisions, man, Matt Miller found himself sitting at home alone on Friday nights way too many times. And I was lonely, and I was like, you know what? I'm a part of this church. It's where I'm going. I need some good church friends. And I remember praying that, Lord, would you send me friends? Like, I'm bored. I'm lonely. I need friends. And I found that through being a part of groups and serving in ministry, that God began to put people into my life that I loved. Lifelong friendships. Pastor Chris Moyes. So many of you guys know Pastor Chris. He's now leading a church or pastoring a church in Hare, Oklahoma. I met him in a group. Like, the first time I ever met him, his now wife, Rachel, made him go. She made him go, and he walks in because he was in nuclear medicine, and like uh, he came in with his scrubs on because I thought he was a doctor maybe, and I thought he was a straight-laced guy. In the next week, because Chris is all about the woo. Chris is, man, he's a connector. Like, he's fun. The next week, he brought in like three tubes of deer sausage and cheese and sharp knives to cut it with, and he, he won my heart by winning my belly. We were friends ever since, right? But it happened in a group, right? And then we served together, but that I don't have to give because giving doesn't really play into those three things. No, because my resources help support everything that that church did. And so since I was 19, I have been a part of these things wholly and fully and completely. So if you're in your head right now going, well, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, yeah, you can. It's, this right here is not, what I just said is not insane. It can be a lifestyle where you simply say, hey, if this is my church, then man, it's going to be my church and I'm going I'm to be all in. I'm going to be all in in what I do. I want to paint a picture for you. Can I paint a picture? What do you think it would look like if everybody in this room, step over here, if everybody at the 11 o'clock service, 1130 service, said, you know what, we're all going to be in a group. Of some sort, we're going to be in a group. We're going to be in a Bible study. We're going to be in a discipling group. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna join up in some way to talk about how Jesus is impacting our life. Here's what you will find. You will never experience more care, more love, more support in a church family than a church where everybody chooses to be in a group of some sort. You know, two of our vision statements is that by the year 2020, that people will be known and know they're known, like that we would know every person's name. By the end of the year 2020, we want to be a church that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. You show me a church where people say, you know what, I'm going to be in a group of some sort, and I will show you a church that makes disciples like crazy and that everybody is known. It, It will just happen. What if everybody at New City said, you know what, Matt, we're going to invest our resources back into this ministry? Think of the damage we could do in this broken, jacked-up world that we live in. If, like, I mean, telling you, New City Church, I don't know if you know this, New City Church isn't short on dreams and ideas. You guys realize that, right? If you don't know that, just hang out with me for a week. Ask Curtis. I drive him crazy. Jen gets scared to death when I go, hey, I got an idea. She's like, ah, packs the bag. She's going to leave, right? I mean, what would it look like if we said, Lord, how do you want us to use these resources instead of, God, would you give us the resources to use? Do you see the different conversation? What would it look like if the people who call New City Home said, you know what, I'm going to give back to this church. This is where I'm going to give back to God. Man, you're talking about an extremely generous church? You're talking about a church that makes a difference in its community and the community knows it? Show me this church right here. 
What about this one? A church where people choose to serve. Meaning that you show up at 10 o'clock like Kevin and Adrian did this morning. And you serve in Kid City and then you worship at 1130. Or for the 10 o'clock folks who come and worship, they serve at 1130. What would it look like if this church, if everybody just said, it doesn't matter how old you are, you said, you can count on me to serve when I'm here. I'm going to be a greeter. I'm just going to be kind. I'm going to help in Kid City. I'm going to help in preschool. I'm going to help in the student ministry. Like, Matt, you can count on me to serve this church. What happens in that, guys, is we, we become very dangerous. Ask you a question. I'm going to use one of these papers right here. I got this kind of built like this, and we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks. But in each category, we got the same kind of levels running across. And so here, when you think about sharing your life, investing your resources, and serving your church, some of us are not yet. We just simply don't do any of those things. Maybe you do some of them. Maybe you do this one, but you don't do this one. But there's some things that we're just not yet there. Some of us, you just started your first timer. Woohoo! Love you guys, right? Just started. The next layer would be sometimes, when it's convenient. Do you serve? I sometimes. Do you give? When I got it, right? Are you in a group? I'm when I can make it, right? Sometimes, right? Often, you're pretty much there every time the doors are open. Like, you're pretty consistent. You're pretty faithful. You can be counted on. But up here is whole life. And whole life is where we're headed as a church to be the church that I believe God has called us to be. Here's a pop quiz for you, okay? Let's pretend I can hide all three. Who wants to be a part of the church where it's full of people who are not yet? Think about that. Where it's a church where very few people share, invest, and serve. Does that type of church sound more fun than a whole life? Like if you had two churches on the corner, and one church is full of people who, ah, not yet, and the other church is full of people who, are, baby, this is what I do. Which one do you want to go to? Oh, I'll tell you which one I want to go to. It's the one I planted. It's called New City Church. And this is where we're headed. I want to give you the big idea of this series. I have it right here in front of me. It's going to be on the screen. Here is the big idea that we're going over the next four weeks. God is a generous God, but his generous DNA must evolve within every follower of Jesus. As our generosity evolves, we will share our lives, invest our resources, and serve our church. This type of evolution is what we call whole life generosity. This is what we're talking about. Now, here's the problem with this, okay? And here's where we're going to kind of begin our teaching today. The problem is, is that we say, well, yeah, Matt, um, it, things got to change for me. So change is required for this to happen. You know that, right? For you to take a step in any way, change is required. You can write that in on your notes. But here's where we get misled. We think if my finances change, then I will do it. Or when my schedule change, then I will do it. Well, once the kids quit having school every day, then I will do it, right? And we say, well, if these things change, don't raise your hands it's in your brain here. How many of you make more money today than you did five years ago? Don't raise your hand. A lot of us make more today than we did five years ago. Are you more generous, though? Oftentimes, when we make more money, we get shinier stuff. We get the, X phone, we get the iPhone X instead of the iPhone 8. Right? We get the extra bedroom on the apartment. Right? We get the newer model of the car. Like we, we tend to take our stuff when God gives us more, and we say, that's mine And you do something for you. Am I saying doing stuff for you is bad? Not at all. Not at all. But if not careful and you don't learn how to share and give and participate in God's kingdom, you can miss out. Raise your hand if you've ever made a a bad decision. Because let me show you this real quick, this scripture. I'm going to come back to you bad decision makers here. But let's look at Romans chapter 12. 
Because this plays in with our bad decisions. Look what Paul says. Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Don't wait till you're dead to honor God with your life. Be a living sacrifice. But let God, let God use you while you move around this planet. The kind, of, the kind of life that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By how? Changing the last three words or the next three words? Way you think. Can we read that together, please, okay? Because we think it's income or schedule. That's not what God wants to change. Uh, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. When we change the way we think, we have to be careful that we don't go from one bad thing to another. Now my question, raise your hand if you've ever made a bad decision. Every hand should be raised. If not, we're going to talk about pride next week, right? <laughs> We've all made bad decisions. How many of you have, have know that you made a bad decision, and so to course correct, you make a decision, and you make, unfortunately, another bad decision? Anybody made back-to-back bad decisions? Yes, we call this dating. We call this dating. Some of you call it marriage, right? Ah, we go from one and, oh, this didn't work. And so, so we don't want to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision with this area of our life. We want to make wise decisions because God wants to transform you by changing the way you think. And so let's put in front of us a goal or a model to say that's what I want to be like. I want to bring you to Acts chapter 4 for this. I'm going to grab my insert here. Acts chapter 4, look what Luke, uh, the author of Acts 4, records. He says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. So this is the very first church. These are the men and women who saw Jesus uh, murdered on the cross, the sacrifice, and they saw Jesus resurrected. These are people who were there, and they experienced it. They, 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 They felt it. They smelt it. They saw it. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. Isn't that interesting? They felt not somebody told them, hey, it's not yours, buddy. Like there was something going on in that body where they felt, <coughs> excuse me, that, uh, that what they had or what they owned was not their own. So they shared, open-handed, they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was on them all. This is really fun to understand and see. Ready for this? The early church was passionate about two things that drastically changed our world. The early church was passionate about two things that drastically changed our world. Number one, they were passionate about seeing the crucified Jesus come back to life. They were passionate about the resurrection. Like they saw Jesus hanging on a tree. Three days later, they saw Jesus walking around. They wouldn't stop talking about that. You couldn't shut them up. And every one of them, almost every single one of them, went to their death, painful deaths, because they wouldn't recount and denounce what they saw with their very own eyes. They were passionate about the resurrection of Jesus. Number two, they were passionate about what Jesus had taught. So you got a group of people who were uber passionate about all of these teachings and commands of Jesus, and they were passionate about that. He not only gave them and that he went to the cross, but he resurrected. Those two things, the resurrection and the teachings, man, powered. It was the fuel for that early church. And they did crazy things because of a dead man walking and because of the sayings and the teachings that Jesus gave. Church, we are no different today. All of this stuff right here, and I'll come back to it, I'm sure, in a little bit, there ain't no way you're doing any of this unless Jesus is the king of your heart. 
If Jesus doesn't take and you're not passionate about this resurrected Jesus, if you're not passionate about the things that he taught you, which is what I'm about to teach you, there is no way you're going to do this. It, you, it is in your DNA to walk around and go, mine, 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 because that's what this culture conditions you to think. Spend your money on you, your enjoyment. Spend your time on you and what you need. The idea of blood, like some of you, your family thinks you're weird just because you're at church this morning. You still believe in that old stuff, that nonsense? Yeah, man, because it's changing my life, and it's changing how I love my community. So all the believers, they were united, and they shared. We go, how in the world do we do that? Like, man, that, that's, that was like old like New Testament stuff. Like, that, that's not 2018. Well, Jesus actually teaches us. And um, I want to share with you a scripture. This is my most favorite scripture in the entire Bible. Okay? And it's a scripture that I think that you should have highlighted in yours or highlighted in your Bible app. Not because it's my favorite, but because it's one that Jesus gives priority to. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And see there, seek the kingdom of God above all else. What does above all else mean? Number one, you can talk this one. Isn't it kind of fun? What else does above all else mean? More than anything. Thank you, Dennis. Right? Like, notice Jesus' own words, talking to church people. Hey, church people, seek the kingdom of God above all else. So you're like, well, okay, today I'm going to go out. Lord, how do I know if I'm in your will? God, what do you want me to do? God, should I wear a tie? Should I not wear a tie? God, what should I do? Here, I don't know what comes next, but Jesus says, hey, church people, hey, young person, hey, old person, the first thing that you do today as you go out these doors is you seek the kingdom of God First and foremost, second, third, and fourth things, we'll figure it out based on where you are and what you're doing. So I want to unpack this. I want to maybe help you understand a little bit about what Jesus is saying here. Let's look at the word seek, and you can feel this in. Let's turn this over, and let's look at this word seek. Seek means that you look, you go after, you take part in, you engage, and you bring the kingdom. Like, you don't stand, like, Christian, woohoo, Christian in the room. Nowhere in the scripture are you to stand up in the corner going, well, I hope they see me. I hope they're kind. No. Jesus says, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Take the initiative. I was telling a young leader this morning, never miss the opportunity to tell somebody why you appreciate them. That's what a Jesus follower does. We all walk around and go, man, I really appreciate that guy. I appreciate her. Man, she's really nice. And we have these thoughts. But you know the power when you seek the kingdom and you bring it and you walk up to him and you put your hand on your shoulder and you go, hey, man, I just saw you do that. And can I tell you, man, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate that about you. You know what they do? Every person will do? Well, thank you. You make people have better posture when your posture is like Jesus. When you speak into their life, when you bring the kingdom. When you, when you oh, what's kingdom though, Matt? You mean it's just encouraging people? Can I, can I give you three ways to express kingdom? Like, I want you to learn this. Like, because the kingdom can be so fuzzy. Can I, I want to give you three kingdom expressions. These are like action steps for you. And that if we as a church people will begin to do this on a personal level, you will change your family. I promise you, you will change your family. You will change your street. You will change your neighborhood. You will change your workplace. You will change your company. You, I'm telling you, if you do these three things, it will get better. I promise you. You ready? Number one is this. Here's an expression of the kingdom. Prosperity. And don't lose me. I'm not talking about blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. I'm not talking about you praying for great wealth so God just blesses the snot out of you and it's all mine. Woo-hoo, look at what I got. No, no, no. Prosperity. God gives to you so that you give to others. You become the conduit of God's goodness. 
The definition that I gave you this morning is this. You make wherever you are better. High schooler in the room, college student in the room, adult that goes to work, wherever you are, whatever you do, it should get better when your feet enter that place. It should get better. Like your boss shouldn't dread you showing up to work and your husband shouldn't dread you coming home. Like no matter what you do, you should make it better. That is a kingdom principle. Jesus did everything best. He made everything better. I picked on Charlie Blair earlier. Charlie says there's only one thing that Jesus wasn't good at, and that was being a mortician because everybody he got around came right back to life, right? But some of us in this room, we need to be resurrected. Like you're walking around, you're dead man walking, you're dead woman walking. Man, hear me. God has called you to be a person who seeks the kingdom above all else. And so today, if you go to Fonterra's for lunch or you go home or whatever it is that you do, just make it better. And if you do that, guess what? You've expressed yourself in God's kingdom in one way. How about a second way? How about integrity? We all want to have friends. We all want to date. We all want to marry. We all want to work for people with integrity. But we sure struggle having it ourselves. It's an expectation in everybody else except the one that we look in the mirror. Integrity. You do the right thing even when no one is looking. What if you were just who you are? Think about being in the kingdom of God. Do you think you're going to get to live two lifestyles in the kingdom of God? Do you think when God's on the throne and man, we're in his perfect, perfect city of God, do you think there's going to be this idea of uh, uh, the church version of you and the Tuesday night version of you? No, there's one you. I'll tell you something. If you're a person who has integrity and you actually do the things you say you're going to do, when you're going to do them, how you're going to do them, and you're a person who makes the place better, you will never be without friends or a job. I'm just telling you. If you're a person with integrity and you're a person who makes the place better, you will always have friends and you will always have a job because this world is full of employees who are crooks, who are looking to steal uh, talent, steal time, steal money, and there's always turnover at places because, man, employers just can't find people with integrity who make the company better. You be that cat, you're going to do fine in life. That's the kingdom, right? That's the kingdom. I love the third one. The third one's like the sexy word of the day. It's on the news channels all the time. It's justice, right? Justice. You make wrong things right. You make wrong things right. I'm almost done. High school students in the room, middle school students in the room, people who, you can, older people, apply this to your situation because I don't know how you do this. I want to encourage my young leaders in the room to stand for justice in your schools. I'm going to give you one example. The thing that breaks my heart, I know this sounds maybe so silly, but this is one of those things I get passionate about when I think about our schools, is the young man, the young lady who goes to lunch and eats by themselves because nobody likes them. It's the kid who people think is funny because of their haircut or because of their clothes that they wear or maybe how they smell, maybe even their bad, bad attitude. But my heart breaks when I hear and I see a video on Facebook of a kid being bullied, and I'm like, where's the church? Like, I want to go back to that 80s movie where you act like you're a kid and you're an adult. You remember those kind of 80 movies, you know? And I want to go and I want to enroll in that school. And I know I'm not big, but my attitude is strong and I can be a knucklehead. And I just want to walk to class with that kid. And I just want to look at any big bully and say, I dare you, please take a swing because I'm going to lay you out, right? I know that's me being the bully. That's the opposite approach. But that's the justice in me. I'm like, it's not right. It's not right. In the church, day after day after day, we go to work, we go to cafeterias, and we see people that are the least of these, and nobody will engage them. 
man, not so with us. Like justice, here's the thing. Most of us are all about justice when it's just for you. But how do you stand up for somebody that it doesn't benefit you at all? And it might even cost you your popularity and all the cool kids at school or the cool people at work might start making fun of you because of what you choose, how you choose to be Jesus to somebody that they don't like. I'm just telling you, you want to change your world? Start investing in the least of these. Break from the crowd and don't worry about being popular or being the most liked. And say, you know what? No, man, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to be who I am all the time and I'm going to do what's right even when it doesn't benefit me. Let me tell you something. The kingdom is there when you live that way. The kingdom is not there when you go and you just kind of keep your head down and you're just going to get through the day. And the kingdom's not there when you say what you need to say just to get through the day, but it's not really how you feel or who you are. And the kingdom's not there when you look the other way because you don't want to get involved. Man. Get involved. Bring it. Seek it. Look after it. That's the church that God has asked us to be. That's the church that I really believe that you want to go go to and the church that you want to be a part of. But that church doesn't happen unless the people of that church say, that's who I'm going to be. And so, guys, I'm inviting you over the next four weeks to draft after so many of us in this room and say, you know what? I don't know uh, my, 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 one of my favorite bands, uh, Leonard Skinner. Any Leonard Skinner fans in the room? Some of you. If you're not, you need to get there. Okay. One of my favorite songs. Uh, it takes place at a place called Judd's with a girl named Linda Lou. Give me three steps. Give me three steps, baby. Just give me three steps before the door, right? Over the next four weeks, I'm asking you to give me three steps in these areas. Like, how do you take a step towards this whole life type of generosity? That is who God has called you to be. And that is what God has called me to continue to lead out on across this awesome ministry that we call New City Church. God wants you to do amazing things in your school as you follow Him in all things. Be passionate about his resurrection and be passionate about the things he taught. And what did he teach you? Above all else, hey, cat, first thing, I want you to seek the kingdom of God. Oh, and don't forget that next part, live righteously. Here's what that means, and I'm going to end with this. Live righteously. Live a life that is easy for God to bless. If you want me to give you a, a, a checklist of all the do's and don'ts, I don't know. Maybe I can get around to that. But it's easy. You live your life, like I believe from your head to your heart, to your gut. From your head, to your heart, to your gut, you know when you're about to do something that is not in line with God. Don't do those things. Live a life that is so easy for God to bless the snot out of you. That means for some of us, you need to keep your mouth shut. That means for some of us, we don't need to go there. That means for some of us, we need to stop our behavior and repent and change the direction that we're walking. And I love this. Jesus says, when you seek my lifestyle, and you're living your life in a way that's easy for me to bless, I will give you everything you need. Anybody in the room need anything right now? Do you need something? Well, I need things. 21 years, God hasn't dropped me yet. Can I just say thank you, Jesus? 21 years, God hasn't dropped me financially. 21 years, God's let me be a part of some awesome ministry. For 21 years, God's let me meet new people just like you. Why? Because I have chosen this. I'm not extraordinary. I'm ordinary. I just choose to be passionate about the resurrection and the things Jesus teaches. And I invite you to do the same. Amen. It's going to be a fun next three weeks.
I'm not going to teach you how to give. I'm going to teach you how to live, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Let me pray for us. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward, and we're going to get to take a step in our generosity, right? So, Jesus, thank you for the example that you gave. Thank you that you were totally, totally, totally a generous God. But we're afraid. We're busy. And we don't think we have. God, show us that we do. Let us break free from this attitude of mine and choose to be generous. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask these things. Amen.